Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Gina. And I'm Chris. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the fall of the House of Usher, which uh, is... Uh, a uh, original series running on Netflix uh, just came out recently, and I think we've all seen it, right? Anybody not seen it? Yep. Finished it last night. Finished it this morning. All right. Well, uh, Jenna, why don't you, if you don't mind, give us a rundown of what it's uh, kind of about. Okay. So uh, try and keep try and keep it brief since you know Bill didn't prep me for this. Uh, Cheese, Bill. Come he on. likes putting people on the spot. Usher is a, basically a combination of a bunch of different Poe-inspired works in, under this main umbrella of the fall of the House of Usher, which people, if you're not, you don't recognize the the literature, maybe you recognize the classic Vincent Price story or movie. Uh, but with a star-studded cast that many recognize from previous Mike Flanagan works, uh, who we know from The Haunting of Hell House uh, to uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor and Midnight Mass. This is his next Midnight take Club. on, yep, Midnight Club on a story of a family that seems to be targeted either by a human or supernatural force taking out the family one by one. And it's an interesting play off of current uh, politics and discussions because the family is a huge pharmaceutical family. That's mm -hmm. where they built their wealth from, kind of like the uh, Sacklers. Aren't they the ones, I think, who did yeah. fentanyl? Yeah, they, yep. yeah the, they are an obvious uh, equivalence to the Sacklers and Purdue Pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. and uh, the opioid crisis that they like they're just that family just with names different yeah. changed names yep. so what we how we go through this film or this uh it's a eight episode series is the father uh is having a discussion with a lawyer who has tried for years to hold this family accountable for its crimes especially the father and then his twin sister who uh madeline madeline or is it meredith i don't see this is madeline. why you had to prep me Bill. madeline it's fine it's, it's madeline, madeline. Yeah, yep. It's madeline. yep and the father whose name is daddy Chris. roderick <laughs> daddy. Right, there you go. it's roderick but i am roderick. a person and i finished this like a month ago so <laughs> it's all good yeah. uh, so that that is where the series <laughs> kicks off, and we go. Each episode is dedicated to the demise of one of the children. Yeah. So to to add on to that, um, 
you know, there's a, a commonality that between all these deaths and these visions that are seen by the children here and, and what starts to unfold um, as you get towards the uh, end of the series. And, and there will be spoilers. I don't know if you put a, a spoiler banner warning there, uh, Bill. But uh, um, what you come to find out is that a pact was ultimately made um, with the two siblings um, with this entity. Um, I don't know if we would call her death or something of that nature, but um, a pact was made. And in return, um, uh, Roderick and Madeline were given the, the riches and spoils that they've been able to enjoy uh, for a good part of their life. And now it is time for them to pay their due uh, and it all comes to an end. And so each episode, as, as Jenna mentioned, carries the story of what happens to each of the children. And the way this plays out is Roderick has decided to finally sit down with uh, Augie, the... Uh, um, the prosecutor. The, uh, the, the prosecutor, the, the DA or, or what have you, who has literally spent the majority of his life, his adult life, uh, pursuing... Roderick and, and his family and to take down this big uh, pharmaceutical company. And so he has decided it's time to confess and he starts to walk through Augie um, how all these deaths actually occurred. So, you know, the, the way the, the, the scene that Bill has in his background is the two chairs from which Roderick is going to tell Augie the story. And we get these flashbacks to the 1980s from when uh, Roderick and Madeline were were younger and, and when they were coming to power. And you also get these other uh, playbacks of all the siblings as you go through these episodes of what transpired and what ultimately led up to their death. And so at, from an outsider's perspective, everything kind of looks like an accident. And what Roderick starts to explain to Augie is that these were no accidents and, and let me tell you why. And so as they sit here and they drink for these eight episodes, you know, maybe it's an hour, a couple hours, maybe a few hours that kind of transpires. We are walking through the last 30, 40 years of their lives or so, um, maybe a little less than that, on, on, on how they got to where they're at. And when you get to the last episode, it's when it really unfolds to what exactly that pact was and what the ultimate price was that they had to pay. And that's what was kind of crazy about it uh, as you go through the end. And um, one of the pictures Linda just had up of – um, this woman, this entity, um, I forgot what they gave her as a name. Uh, her, name Verna. her name is her name is Verna. Verna. Yep. Interestingly, uh, Verna is an anagram for Raven. And, and there's been a lot of talk. I, yep. I've got this the list of the characters now, so we're, yeah. I'm ready. Um, but there's been a lot of debate. Like, is she death? Is mm -hmm. she karma? Is she a demon? And I felt like she was too neutral to be a demon because there were many times that she said this to one of the siblings, the death you're about to receive, you didn't have to. You could have gone quietly in your sleep, which ultimately and one of the characters does because they're not a bad person. But they keep they do terrible things mm -hmm. with excuses of why they should do terrible things to get the goal, get the prestige, get the approval of the father. And um, it goes awful. She, she gives so them, awful. she gives them a choice. And to your point, it, it, it almost, yeah. Go, 
Yeah, so each one of them earns. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. go. It's fine. E- each one of them earned what 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 they had coming to them uh, essentially, and and that was the ultimate price to pay. But this wasn't malicious in nature. She presents herself at opportunities, these forks in the roads, uh, for these characters. And even when it gets to the end, when um, ultimately the price that has to be paid is the bloodline is done, meaning that mm-hmm. everyone within um, Roderick's and, and Madeline's family has to die. And, and so as you get closer to the end, the one thing I was starting to fear was the youngest one. Um, do you have her name by chance? Yep, the Lenore. Uh, Lenore. Lenore uh, is the innocent one out of all of them, probably the one that actually has the brightest spark and and who doesn't believe in what the the Usher family's been doing and wants to do things for good. And so as you start to lead up to the end, you start to realize that like the bloodline, the pack where everyone has to die does not exclude Lenore. And it is a very tragic ending for uh, Lenore, but she does go the most peacefully. And as Verna sits there, she gives you this concept that, She's not malicious in nature, and she really wishes she didn't have to do what she did, but that was the pact. Right? And she also, like, she's got, she she has a perspective from out of time, yes. because she shares, uh, she shares with Lenore before she kills her, like, the impact that her life and what her actions would have. Right. So she had that knowledge, and she also had the caring. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell, like she cared. She, she wasn't joy in it. She wasn't malevolent, right? And that no. made it and more even, creepy. Yeah, and she even said at that point, I think, uh, if I remember rightly, that um, you know, every time she does one of these, there's always a a death that um, that hits her hard. That you know, she wished she mm-hmm. didn't have to do, yep. kind of a thing. So you know, the the one thing. Uh, and I loved, I loved the show. I loved all of the, everything that happened. I, think I thought everybody got their just desserts. Uh, however, um, the one thing that bugged me throughout the whole thing is how uh, Roderick and uh, what was the wife's name? Um, or the sister's oh, name? Madeline. Uh, Madeline. Madeline. That, how Roderick and Madeline had the right to bargain away the lives of their children. Mm-hmm. Well, you you have to. So that's the thing about the siblings, right? They were, they were, cold, to the extent where they knew what they were getting into. And over time, you have to remember they didn't have kids when this. Well, Roderick did, but yeah, too. But to that extent, they had already jumped off that ledge. They had already committed their first murder, so to speak, when they were signing this pact, and and the the whole thing with Verna when she presents to them this opportunity of this future was they will not want for anything, right? They will have everything you could ever wish for. Um, the opportunity is there for years to take. And at the end of it, here's the price that you pay. And, and you're right, Bill. It, it's a it's a little bit of a, a conundrum. And, and and you saw them there really struggling with that, with that truth, right? If this mm-hmm. is really happening, could we really take it seriously? And maybe they didn't. You know, there's when they when well, they, they walk out of that bar, it. yeah, and and they forgot about it. They put it in the back of their mind, and and maybe some of that was because when they walked out of that bar and they turned around, uh, after you know they made this pact, and then it turned out that bar was 
never really there to begin with, perhaps. Maybe they thought they were both hallucinating. They were both on some crazy trip. Except, Maybe, uh... except Madeline said she, <clears throat> the, the comment was made that Madeline believed it enough that she had her tubes tied. She wasn't, and no, she had a, she had a, uh, an, IUD, not IUD. Yeah, IUD. IUD. Oh. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but she said she wasn't sure, but it tickled her. Like it, yeah. it tickled, tickled the back of her mind. And, you know, Verna at that time, she said, your children, which at that time, Roderick only had two, they were going to have like 50 years of comfort, like Chris said, mm -hmm. and, and wealth and blah, blah, blah. And isn't that better than 80 years of misery, 80 years of yeah. being scared about me, 80 years of not, you know, yep. but Roderick kept having kids. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but the only thing there, Jenna, to that point is that when we see this show start, I would not say that those kids, while they maybe had a comfortable life, they did not have a happy life. They all seemed pretty fucking miserable to me. Yeah. They, they, they yeah, were. I mean, and so that was the, the morality part. play. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, this is serious. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. that. I would say, you know, uh, as miserable as they were, I don't know that while they had a life of luxury and comfort, I don't know that that really bought them what the parents had bargained for, really. Because I think if you were bargaining something like that, you'd, you'd want them to have a happy life. And if you live a happy life and you live to 50 or 60 or whatever it happens to be, then that's great. But if you have a, a an unfortunate, sad life and you're, you know, you're not happy. You're fighting with your siblings and you're fighting to get attention of your father, whether you have money or not. It's not a happy life. But when so, you grow up poor, you believe money is going to be the answer to everything. And they grew up poor without resources. At the time, they were still poor. Like Ryder. advantage of by those that had money. Yeah, he can't afford money for Tamerlane, his daughter, who's a toddler and obviously dealing with health issues. So you really, truly believe, I think, that money is going to buy happiness. You don't know any different. Yeah, I suppose. And also, this show in particular, this season in particular, I felt like Mike Flanagan had some stuff to say. Uh, specifically he, choosing yeah. to frame the ushers after the, the Sacklers... Yeah. And a few mm -hmm. of the speeches and monologues that were given, uh, Mike Flanagan was laying out some some messaging. He did, particularly in the last episode or two. There's a there's a monologue that Madeline gives in her final hours, so to speak, or final minutes, um, where she talks about the reality, uh, a very stark and realistic reality of how our pharmaceuticals are, are run today, where mm -hmm. government money goes. And, you know, it's basically like, well, you know, you don't, no one deserves to judge us because this is what, how ugly the world actually is. Mm -hmm. And you get um, even Verna at one point making references to very powerful people who have made packs with her. Um, you know, it, it begs the question, you know, what 
<laughs> what would ultimately be their price that they have to pay. But, you know, I could shoot anybody on Fifth Avenue and, and practically get away with it was one. And it, it was, mm -hmm. you know, they drew lines directly to real current events and things that happened today. And, and I think that's 100 percent, Seth. There was there was a lot of monologues that went directly specifically to actual problems that exist today. I, I thought and, one of the most powerful scenes was uh, when he went back, like after all the kids are dead and he went back to the office during that huge storm mm -hmm. and Verna shows him his real legacy of the yep. bodies falling yes. and piling up. And she says, you're in my top five. Mm -hmm. So and, and like you get, so go ahead. I was just going to say the the only thing so Flanagan and each of a series has had some sort of monologue at this point and I was a little bit concerned at the end that he was just being too explicit that there's too much monologue like that um, he was starting to hit us over the head with a baseball bat like I liked it, it. was using a podium but, it was it was yeah but there but I, well, I was concerned that by being too obvious, he was going to lose people in that message because they're just going to be, you know, well, oh, it's I, just a mess. It's just a, it's just a propaganda, and then turn it off. I, I think it was she was literally beating Roderick over the head with the truth of his life because he was still in denial up until that point. Yeah. No, I mean was. just period. Madeline's speech. Madeline's very good speech. Oh. Um, a few other monologues like there were multiple I, monologues that may be series. why you know for the, for some of the harshest ones the more direct ones it was kind of saved to the end um mm -hmm. a little bit because there were opportunities where that could have been worked in sooner um mm -hmm. he did save it to the end and then you know i've said my piece right and then yeah. close curtain on that person so um you you know as it, let's take a step back here and um, we had a lot of deaths in this, right? Um, <laughs> so one of the questions I kind of had for you guys as we go through these episodes is, what were some of the notable things and the deaths that occurred and and for who, uh, for you? So like for me, um, you know, one of the, the deaths that, that I, uh, I hate to say enjoyed um, <laughs> was... Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. Uh well, was that, it was actually, uh, yeah, Freddie, um, Froderick, uh, uh, as they like Froder. to call him, uh, really became this vicious, vile cokehead in, in near the end of the series. And so uh, when he gets his, it's very much well-deserving, but he wasn't, he wasn't this person uh, until some things kind of went awry. And so Froderick's felt the most justified and the best... Uh, the gruesomest one was obviously, I think, the first one with the Aspen Tower. Uh, yeah, um, that was. I was like, oh, so we're gonna set the tone for what's gonna happen here. But I think he had the worst of it uh, for a guy that just wanted to, to get off on a on a on a on a uh, an orgy, you know, just. <laughs> and he took so many people with him. He that did. Was that was really what, yeah. That was kind yeah. of that was kind of weird because he was the only one that had the largest, the broadest impact for the amount of people that got killed and i don't know that that was i guess i don't know how you would bring in an innocent uh you know because they had to rope in uh fred's frederick's wife uh into that yeah 
as this whole thing starts to unfold over the, the, the next few episodes, but the amount of collateral damage there seemed excessive um, for what was going on. And so that, that one, I don't, that's the only death to me that didn't seem to drive with the rest. Uh, but the clientele, the clientele were the type of people who could drop 20,000 anonymously. And These were all probably deserving people in some, in some and extent. Not it, necessarily. It's so it's, but that's the, what they insinuated that if you are wealthy or that wealthy that you can drop 20 K on a party, then you were probably deficit in your morals anyway. And death got all the working people out of that or the, uh, not Raven or Verna. Verna got every all the working people out of that party. Yeah, she that's even whispered. I had forgotten about that. That's a very good point. Yep. And yeah, as far as like the brother deserving it, he was basically trying to sleep with his brother's wife, as yeah. purely as a act of defiance and pique. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's deaths that affected me like every one of the deaths was so well done. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I definitely liked Jeff or uh, Roderick's Freddy's death, uh, which was the pit and the pendulum. Yeah, and you could tell uh, Verna was definitely working out some issues with him because that was <laughs> some uh, Rube Goldberg <clears throat> level, uh level stuff yeah. uh i mm, yeah her death uh like that was nasty and like you could see verna the whole time being like you don't you're like all, all you have to do is just stop swinging your stupid thing and calm yeah, fuck down and you can die peacefully <laughs> yeah she started seeing things and she started thinking that her husband was sleeping with uh verna and uh, uh, she could not see it. She wasn't sleeping. She was really messed up after all the previous deaths. And um, she just becomes this vicious, hateful, spiteful person and um, starts lashing out, throwing like even to a point where she nukes her own presentation for a product reveal, um, starts destroying uh, everything and, and ultimately destroys herself to, to what Seth was saying. As she's standing around the bed with this, with this uh, poker and she, she jams it up into the ceiling and, and miraculously somehow lands on all this uh, shard to mirror, which impale her. And then it comes down from the ceiling too and impales her and she dies. And, and uh, it was all her own doing. There was nothing, no, there was nobody ever really there. She was just seeing things. Well, we know that Verna was playing a hand in this, but yes, mm -hmm. it was nuts. Uh we're. Uh, I, I think we also need to talk about a performance in this that was really good, and that is uh, Arthur Pym, played by yeah. Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, wow, he was so good. The Pym Reaper. Like, I loved his his nickname, the Pym Reaper. Yeah. yeah. Um, they 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 gave him they gave him a uh pretty interesting cryptic backstory initially. Uh, then you come to find out near the end uh, when he comes face to face with Verna, and he's one actually that 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 did not give in to temptation. Verna mm -hmm. gave him the choice and said, "Here, hey, here's what's going to happen. You, you, there's going to be some damning information found on you, or not, and I can make that happen." And he said, "You know what? I, I can't be leveraged." 
right? I have never been leveraged in my life and I won't start now. And so he actually ends up going to prison as that mm -hmm. to his principles. But he's the example of, I'm not going to take this bait, even if it's going to work out for me and I can become rich and, and, and whatever. But mm -hmm. he, he knows there's a cost, right? Yeah. He knows there's like, a fee to all this and he wouldn't give in. This moral, morally bankrupt, just like amoral, uh, mm -hmm. like the, the very definition of the, the fixer lawyer. Yep. Uh, yep. We, we fully see like when they find out that Verna and he's on her trail, like she comes into a house and he just steps up, kills her. And it has her body yeah. wrapped up. And Calls under for the body seconds. pickup. Like, yeah, he was very <laughs> pro about it. He was like, oh, damn, you know? Like, yeah, he iced her. Of course, it didn't stick. Yeah. But, uh, and the look, did you see the look on his face when, like, she does the reveal and just, yeah. just like, <laughs> back up? Like, Mark Hamill's got this look on his face, like, oh, good. Well, and I even then, like he, was, he was still somewhat calm about it. And that's when he he knew he was dealing with something otherworldly. Yeah. And he shifted gears real fast. He did. And so that, and he even apologizes. Right. So then they go to sit down and he's like, I'm sorry. It was nothing personal. Uh, and she even apologizes and says, you know, Hey, sorry to fake you out. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, she'd, get huh? like, she'd get that. Yeah. She'd understand that about him. It's not yep. personal. And uh, so they were amicable to each other, and she didn't even take any kind of revenge on him for not taking the deal or whatever. It was like, all right, I thought I'd just she throw out a, a, a business transaction. Maybe you're interested. Maybe you're not. Huh? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No? Okay, have a nice day. And she leaves. You know? She well, told no, she him what he had to look him. forward to. Yeah, she thanked him. Like, it was yep. obviously important to her that he yep. had refused the deal. Mm -hmm. So my my question on that whole deal thing was, at that point, what's in it for her, for Verna? Nothing. I mean, I think why why even offer him a deal? I see what he does. She does that to everybody. I mean, he's he's old think, enough. Yeah, she's... he's gonna die relatively soon anyway. And if he's going to prison and gonna suffer for his crimes, it's not like okay, well, I'm gonna offer you this deal, but then I'm gonna make you suffer at the end for your crimes. Well, he's already suffering. He's gonna spend the rest some, of his life. For, obviously prison. for some though, they take that deal regardless. Yeah. The siblings just... technically had it made before they even took that deal. But what if it could be guaranteed? Yeah. Right? Which, the... I just I think she she she's old enough. She's just curious. Like she, even, she kind of makes a statement and multiple times that she she has an idea, most likely, what humans are going to do, but she likes being surprised. She, knows, she, she like knows the timeline of what would happen if the deal has not been yep. accepted. Because she tells Fr Frederick, or uh, Freddie, uh, yeah. that Frick. if... Oh, no. If her father hadn't accepted the deal, he would have been a dentist. A pretty yeah. good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what kind of pissed her off the most is that, like, what he did to his wife at the end is like, yeah. And kind of what earned him the real uh, punishment he got. So, like, mm -hmm. she knows. I, I think she's a godlike figure. So, I want to, I, 
One of the deaths I wanted to jump into was probably the craziest, which was the cat one, Leo. <laughs> That's uh, a problem I have with Mike Flanagan. He's always killing cats, and I don't like it. Cats are vicious devil animals. Uh, well, they, yeah, are, he does. But they are, but they are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Leo is one of the one of the uh, uh, older uh, of the siblings. Uh, I can yeah. sense of. Um, they, no, he was don't... still one of the younger ones. He was uh, well, like, kind of go... in the middle pack there. It, it was kind of hard to get some of them. He was, he was like, the... Yeah, yeah. He he's a he's a heavy drug user, and he lives with a with his boyfriend in some kind of nice condo or apartment wherever. And um, at some point, uh, you know he. He figures he killed his his boyfriend's cat in a uh, drugged up stupor, and so he goes to uh, a vet, finds a replacement, uh, that black cat you see there, and he's like, "Awesome! I've I've I'm going to do the bait and switch, and nobody will be the wiser, and the cat never got murdered by me." Um, lo and behold, this cat is a murder cat. <laughs> Torture him. <laughs> Claw him bit by bit, leave dead animals all over the apartment. Um, and Look, to that the cat was where, just trying to teach him how to hunt, right? And so, well, I'm sitting that, there, can't the really Verna, yeah, 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 yeah. It resembles Verna, yes. Um, but you don't, you don't get that to like right near the right near the very end for him. And uh, I'm sitting there, right? And and when Verna convinces him, because what happens, he calls Verna back, not knowing that it's Verna, he just knows her as the cat store lady. Uh, calls her in and says, hey, I need you to help me catch this cat. It needs to go back. This cat's trying to kill me. And she's going on this monologue about, yeah, cats are natural predators. You just got to know how to, to work with them or whatever. But it's in the wall. And as I'm watching this, like I'm telling Gina, because uh, she actually caught some of this, um, I was like, you know what? I hope he takes that Thor hammer that he's got back there and starts ripping open the walls. And sure enough, within a couple of minutes, this guy goes back there. He's got like this replica Thor hammer. He makes a comment about it. I can afford to replace this if I have to. And just starts going at it and rips all the walls open. The boyfriend comes home. The entire place is completely trashed. And and it was kind of weird. I did not expect him to... to uh, die in the manner that he did which is he he ends up chasing <laughs> this cat up to a balcony and falling over and falling to his death but he had already at that point i thought realized that that he was in fact seeing things because no, the boyfriend's sitting there yeah. well because he's looking at the wall and he, it's clear that that his boyfriend does not see what he's looking at and and for a second i thought there was there is realization that that maybe he is losing his mind, or maybe, uh, you know, uh, he has been too hard on the drugs. And I, you know, I was trying to, I, I'd have to go back and watch it, but for a moment there, I thought he realized, like, I, I fucked up. Um, but he's still committed. He full sends to go after this cat over the railing and just basically almost leaps to his death. Like, like maybe, uh, you know, I deep down I start to think. You know, maybe he just didn't want to be seen that way and he felt there was no coming back. And then he just figured, you know, I'm going to take this cat out with me. I don't know. But I felt like for half a second there, our poor Leo here, um, <laughs> who falls to his death. Uh, that they didn't knew... even let him hit his car. Right. <laughs> I, I thought for sure he was going to hit the car. And maybe that was too me cliche. Too. Maybe it was too cliche. Too I don't cliche. Know. Uh, but I, the way they, they show the scene and, and his body comes falling down, I, I 100% expect him to land right onto his car. 
but he didn't. A anyways, um, I, I wanted to bring up that death because it was very, it was a funny one kind of to watch him go mad. Um, uh, but still kind of with a that Thor hammer. Yeah, with the Thor hammer, that that's what did it for me. That's when I just kind of got into a giggle fit watching him tear <laughs> that whole place apart with it. So, uh, future Thor, maybe guys, alternate universe, multiverse. No. I think I think maybe we got one here. You might. Yeah, the first death was probably for me like the worst way to go because yeah. I just no matter what he'd done, I didn't think the kid deserved it. Like all things, he was really clever and he he was fulfilling the family's legacy. Yeah. Like finding a way, being resourceful. Like you, you kind of had to give him a little credit and to be melted. Oh. Um but I will say Camille's death with the chimpanzee. Oh, was, yeah, that was brutal. But the way she took it at the end, oh, uh, yeah. like you had to respect that. But mm -hmm. if you know anything about how chimpanzees have killed people in the past, you know it wasn't probably quick. And like I've got yeah, no, no, it was it was a slow ripping apart and breaking of bones and. Yeah, biting off the fingers and and noses and like it was okay. Sort of the whole ripping out your skull and beating you to death with it. So yeah, like that was another one. I don't know if she actually deserved that level of yeah. death, but she also brought it on herself. She did. Well, she was pretty cruel to those chimps because she knew that they were killing him, and I don't think the chimps were being treated very well. It was sort but of she wasn't the one doing it. She she yeah. was. Black she was getting evidence to show that her sister right. was being. Oh yeah, that's true. So yeah. there is a there is a death I want to circle back to as we um, come to a close. I'll say, and and that is one I don't think we saw but was alluded to, which was Roderick's wife. No, she. Am I the only one that did she no, though? Because I thought she, there was a yes. scene she's walking away and it yes. looks like a a hole was blown in the back of her head. But, oh, you mean his first wife? Yeah, his yeah. His, his first wife. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And what was interesting about that was mm. they alluded to it, but but we get to see all the deaths at one way or another, how they occurred. But that is the one death that we don't get the story of how that unfolded. I don't think. And and I thought yeah. I thought maybe I fell asleep and like <clears throat> missed we it. We got a reason. We got a reason yeah. for it. Yeah. And. Uh, when Roderick's Roderick and Augie are talking, he says that he basically bought the kids away from her. Yes. Yep. And she, he said, she just couldn't live without them there, mm. and that was heavily yep. implying yeah. that she committed suicide. Right. And and so, with but her that... death wasn't part. Hey, no, her death wasn't part of the the thing. It, it wasn't. But it was just interesting not to see it unfold. So they allude to it in. Because, because again, this whole eight episode saga is nothing but deaths, right? Mm -hmm. and how they unfold. It was just interesting to me that that it comes up in, as a fleeting, as a passing thing, but we didn't we didn't get the moment to where like I would have expected a brief flashback and her sitting stand, sitting on a desk maybe with the gun there. She reads a letter from maybe her kid who said, "Hey, I'm gonna go stay with dad and I'm not coming back or whatever." Or, or anything like that. And it was just kind of, it would have taken maybe 30 seconds or a minute, given all the other effort they went through to button every other death up. 
this was the one that they kind of just glimpse at and, and move on. But well, I, I think the like difference her. is. Oh, go ahead, Jenna. Uh, I was just gonna say I think the difference is. Roderick is able to go into detail of what happened because all of his kids have mm -hmm. come to him in their death and told them to like, given him the details of how they've died and why, mm -hmm. what they went through, the decision points, mm -hmm. et cetera. And, and I don't think that even though she talked to Roderick after the last kid's funeral, she doesn't give him any more. He knows the story, so he doesn't want to see because he loved her most that's insinuated among the, especially the bastards, the ones who he wasn't married to their mother, that he, uh, no woman could live up to his first wife. So it's something he's been running from and probably still continues to run from. And as she goes, walks away from him, her, her ghost to say goodbye, he can still barely like, face the fact that she killed herself because of him. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah uh like and as kind of a closing note i'd like to talk about you know, who who here's read a lot of poe some I, not as much poe. as others yeah not a lot yeah the way i i've read a fair amount of poe not really recently but i have read a lot of the stories and it was really impressive how they wove those stories yeah. throughout mm -hmm. the like some of the some each one of the episodes itself was based on a story or a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, with others kind of weaved in throughout. Like uh, Lenore uh, is mm -hmm. the character from uh, the the Raven, quoth Nevermore. Uh, mm -hmm. And the first wife's name was Annabelle Lee. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there was just a. Ton of love that was yep. put into this for Poe. I like and that. Jenna, you were talking about the monologues at the end. Well, most of those were directly from Poe. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Verna reveals that uh, if uh, he hadn't have taken, the, he would have been a poet in yeah. another life. And, like, that was so good. Like, him coming up with this poetry in his final moments. And and to touch, like to piggyback off of that, what I was going to mention is Mike Flanagan is showing you don't have to dumb down the movie, the mm -hmm. series, the the what you're showing on the screen. Like take the leap, make it complicated, make the puzzle. Fans are gonna love it. I think that's part of the appeal of what he does is because there are pieces and Easter eggs throughout everything that he does. And you have, you know, you pick up things from the dialogue, and it makes it intelligent, and people are loving it. Well, I bet there's a ton that I'm going to get on a second watch mm -hmm. that I didn't yeah. pick up the first time around. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So, two thumbs up. Two. Oh, definitely. Two thumbs up. <laughs> two partially melted thumbs, way up. Oh. <laughs> I enjoyed Sorry. it. Yeah. So. Absolutely watch it. If you haven't checked it out and we've spoiled it for you, great. Go back and watch it again because I promise you, you're still going to find things that we didn't yeah. talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Lots of things. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's good jump scares. There's good spoops. There's some good feelings. Uh, Mark Hamill. Like, all the whole cast, cast. is yep. amazing. 100%. Like, uh, the guy who did uh, Roderick Usher 
uh, Bruce mm-hmm. Greenwood. I thought that was, he had a fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And of course, Verna, uh, Carla, I won't, uh, Mugino? I don't yeah. know how to pronounce that. I'm very sorry. Uh, but yeah, her, she did a good job too, just being a creepy presence, yeah. like driving yeah. the show, the storyline, but not being malevolent yet still that still fully creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like maybe just like to finish things out last absolute last thing. Who do you think she was like who in your personal canon? Who was Verna? Devil. That's kind of what I thought, the devil. But then I thought, well, maybe she's either the devil or just death. Yeah. I don't think she was either death or just a like a cosmic cog in the machine of the universe, like a self-aware cosmic cog in Mm -hmm. the universe. Chris? Some sort of, you know, I, I went into I went into it thinking that she was deaf, mm-hmm. um, and not even going into it that that is that was my first impression of what she was, not knowing the full story. But when you get to the end and she starts making the decisions that she does, you start to think she's some kind of um, fate. Or greed, just she's that she's that fork in the road, as Jenna would put it, like this cog, right? Um, and I don't, I, I don't, the word escapes me right now, but some kind of uh, term for that come to life, come to full like realization that, that walks amongst us. It's a little bit of death, it's a little bit of fate, it's a little bit of greed, a little bit of karma, know, a little bit of yeah. karma, um. <laughs> All those kinds of things kind of born into whatever this entity is. And it's not explicitly death because she proves that she actually uh, will fight for life as well. So. See, yeah, well, and, complex. And, true, and true. Why also, why would, if it was just death, why would death care to do any of this stuff? Because death's going to win out in the end for everybody anyway. So. Mm-hmm. so. And, and would death have the ability to grant a human all of these things that she granted to the family that that's why i think she's a god and i think she might be the morrigan or at least that's mm-hmm. my own that that's what she is in my opinion is the morrigan mm-hmm. the the celtic chooser of the slain and uh, god of de- goddess of death mm-hmm. but i mean gods of death are frequently deal makers so mm-hmm. and let us know what you think she is. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Comment down below. What was your was favorite that? death? What got you the most? Right? What's your favorite post story that they did? Tell us about yeah, that. Actually, yeah, tell us your post stories, your Poe interpretations, your what you think of it all. Yeah. I'm going right. to call this episode Once Upon a Midnight Dreary, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, cool. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this uh, discussion of the fall of the House of Usher. And like we said, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Go see it. Comment below. Let us know what you think. And we will catch you next time around. Take care. Later. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. 
For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.